conflagration. The Bell House here in the Gawainous neighborhood of Brooklyn, near the irradiated Dolphin Canal, right here, located centrally near Bensonhurst. In the borough of Brooklyn, once again, we join you and we join hands and we join hearts. If you're listening out there in Poopcast Line, this is an awesome time to do whatever it is you're about to do, whether you're going to play Pachisi or whether you're going to build a hammock in your uh, yard or whether you're nestling down in your uh, blanket fort right this second with a pillow underneath your head, uh, hoping that your parents don't hear the profanity that will ensue. Welcome once again to the show. Thank you very much for coming out here. I can't tell you how exciting it is to be back here in Brooklyn. We haven't been back since um, earlier this year. Don't tie me down on months and shit like that. I think it was June? May. May. Okay. I'd forgotten that of all the places I played, Brooklyn was the most meticulous about chronology. And that if they say it's May, it is May. Uh, And it is uh, my pleasure to be back again here again in um, November. Here. Quite close to December. We had Thanksgiving yesterday. If you're listening in other countries in the world, we call it Fuck Off Puritan Day in England. Um, if, you're from, if you're from other countries, you have no idea what Thanksgiving means to us. It's a day that we celebrate because what happened was this. Um, a group of English people were ejected from England um, for being a righteous bummer. And they came to the United States uh, with guns and Bibles and no farming implements. Oh, surely there'll be a shop open. And they decided to infest our land here. Uh, These are white Christian people, and uh, we've talked about Thanksgiving on the show many times before, uh, probably five Thanksgivings past and whatnot, and I'll reiterate one last time. Samoset and uh, Squanto, who met the Indians there, uh, who met the uh, pilgrims there, as we call them, the pilgrims, um, everyone else calls them Puritans, um, excuse me, they... uh, uh, they spoke English, and that's how they were able to communicate. Um, people were always like, isn't it amazing that the Indians helped them and showed them how to plant corn and put a, a kernel inside a fish and this and that? And it's like, well, it's not that amazing. Those, Eng- those Indians had been stolen and uh, taken back as captives to England and forced to learn English. So uh, that's the story of our country, isn't it? Um, that's why, if I'm your president, I'm going to build a wall. But it's going to be a beautiful big wall right in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and it's a a fanciful wall with Spongebob and Mr. Limpet everyone's gonna be on it Aquaman everyone everyone that ever protected the United States uh, over land and sea and air I was given a hat tonight uh, which is a shocking turn of events Uh, what was the name of the lady who gave me the hat Susan Susan uh, thank you, Susan, for this. It's a fedora, as I can see here. I, uh, yeah, I, I am Meyer Lansky, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be, I'll be taking protection money for the Corleone family in the, fifth, in the teens. And then later, uh, I'll be assassinated when I try to make my home in Israel. You'll, you'll know me as Hyman Roth in Godfather 2. But uh, this is the hat I wore in the 20s here. Uh, I, I don't wear hats often or ever. Um, <laughs> Because of the Semitic looks that entail uh, my... I, I, as I put on a hat years ago in Chicago in front of a friend of mine. And he went, Jewish much? Um, so there you are. But it's a very sexy hat. Thank you so much for it, Susan. I, I may not wear it, but later I may make uh, Jennifer wear it. And, uh, and, a, and a pinafore. And you don't want to go into it. But uh, thank you. It's, it's a lovely hat. I, I put it on something, but I'm sure it'll harm everything that's going on here. I can't tell you the generosity uh, that we've received here in the... Sweet Christ. 
know what that was. Um, uh, Lindsay gave me a, a kitten here tonight. Thank you very much for the stuffed kitten. It's 100% organic cotton. And thank you, because as you know, the Proofcast does not accept anything but organic cotton during the show. Um, like the Inca emperor, uh, everything we wear is made of organic cotton. And later you can take me out uh, when I'm dead and, and set me up like the Incas did. Uh, all their honored dead. And uh, I will be uh, wrapped in organic, swathed, as you will, as you would, in organic cotton. Um, oh, kittens, what's that say? Arena wear fauna. Well, clearly. Uh, it, it's not flora. Uh, so there you are. We'll put that down there. Uh, I was given this book. Uh, who gave me the notorious RBG book? Wesley. Wesley. Oh, Wesley. Thank you so much. Um, this is about, uh, the life and times of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is our most awesome Supreme Court justice. Um, She's 125 years old, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, there's nothing uh, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg didn't do. She went to Columbia. Um, uh, she, she argued um, uh, for uh, abortion. She, uh, let's see. Oh, my God. This book has so... Someone say stop. stop. There we go. Uh, rarely does she go casual. According to Jeffrey Tubin's The Nine, rarely does she go casual. <laughs> If you remember during uh, Bill Clinton's hilarious uh, uh, impeachment hearings, uh, <laughs> Judge Rehnquist, the one who was a massive drug addict, who was made Chief Justice by Reagan, uh, wore gold braids on his robe at that hearing, which was unprecedented. No one had ever worn gold braids on their robe before. Not John Jay, not any Supreme Court burger. None of them had ever worn gold braids. But Rehnquist did because he thought, let's sex it up a little. <laughs> And, uh, but evidently, Ruth Bader never goes casual. And as you know, Thelonious Monk said, how do we dress tonight? Sharp as possible. RBG and the other justices were picked up in jeeps for oral argument. Ginsburg chose to wear a straight skirt and high heels. Because of the snow on the ground in Ginsburg's outfit, the driver who usually worked in the clerk's office had to lift the tiny justice into the air and deposit her into the car. <laughs> it gets better. As Betty Davis says in All About Eve, it gets better. <laughs> Later, Ginsburg wrote the fellow a letter of recommendation for law school. <laughs> At public functions, she wears gloves, often black or white lace. In the dead of winter in Michigan, she wore daring knee-high leather boots. I am wearing a daring, daring five-centimeter butt plug here tonight. <laughs> reason you may want to consider voting in the next election is that Ruth Bader might be leaving the court in so much as she has other shit to do. And uh, uh, there may be two or three justices who uh, have to be appointed by the next president. And I'm almost certain, just gathering by having met a lot of you and taking the measure of the crowd, that this isn't a crowd that's going to want Ben Carson or Donald Trump to appoint a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> I don't know what kind of justice Ben Carson would appoint. Um, a unicorn with a, with a scimitar as a penis. Uh, the other day, last week, uh, he was at a, a forum and uh, all the Republican candidates were there and, and a lot of uh, Democratic ones too. And it, it, Hillary wasn't there, but they were interviewing all of them. And he said, uh, the greatest Holocaust against black people is abortion every year. And you're like, no. <laughs> Let's check into Chicago and Minneapolis real fucking soon, shall we, Ben? 
in any case, thank you very much for this, Wesley. It's absolutely uncommonly kind of you. Uh, Brian gave me this. It's a piano key tie. He asserts it's from the 50s. Uh, I, I will never be wearing it, but thank you, Brian. <laughs> It will live forever in infamy in my closet, I assure you. Uh, one day I'll wear a piano key tie. You know what'll happen? In 20 years, t 15 years time, 16 years time, eight years time, four years time, three years, six months from now, I'll be playing uh, a bar here in Brooklyn and it'll just be called Shotzi's. And I'll be doing numbers and you, you're gonna have to put money in my jar and whatnot and I'll be wearing this exact tie. Well, let's, what is it? Pretty good crowd for a Saturday, right? I'll be doing Billy Joel and shit. Who gave me Action Jackson? Russ? Russ? Ian. Oh, Ian, of course. Uh, Ian Spark, um, who's from England, and it took a two and a half hour train ride to get here tonight. Ian, thank you very much. He gave me a copy of Action Jackson, um, which is a fine movie from the 80s starring the Carl Weathers and the Craig T. Nelson and the Vanity and the Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone, as I recall, is a bit player in this movie. However, her face is substantial on the cover. <laughs> the vanity was so hot uh, when this came out because she had been in a, a you know, princess group and whatnot and done Nasty Girl. Um, and this is the Action Jackson unofficially licensed drinking game. When any of the following takes place, imbibe, colon, one, somebody you remember from another better movie shows up. <laughs> That's almost inevitable. <laughs> Martial arts are performed. Double points if performed by Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> Television's coach. You may remember him from Poltergeist. He was also a stand-up comedian. With uh, Barry Sonnefeld, was it? Uh, uh, incongruously upbeat 80s funk music is heard. Double points if you genuinely dig it. I already genuinely dig it now. I've got a meeting in the ladies' room. I'll be back real soon. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Carl Weathers looks confused or uncomfortable. <laughs> Carl Weathers is in the movie Predator, um, where he plays the big black guy. And he's also in a movie by... Uh, a movie with George C. Scott called Hardcore. Uh, and uh, uh, there's no, there, you know what? You can't give me bad Carl Weathers. Thank you so much for this. I'll play the drinking game. I've played it sort of right now. Um, Lindsay gave me this. It's Bitch Magazine. And uh, Bitch Magazine is a feminist magazine that uh, goes around and comes around and shit. Uh, let's see here. Uh, here's some of the uh, features in this month's, uh, uh, let's see, this is issue fall 2015. Uh, there will be blood, the precarious politics of representing abortion on screen. Bulletproof, flesh and twine, drawn from life. Somebody say... Stop! Oh. Uh, <laughs> I cheated. Love it, shove it. Hush, hush. You're going to love this so much. Hush, hush, shy, shy, a beef with LaBeouf. <laughs> You're too shy, shy, hush, hush, shy LaBeouf. There's a bunch of pictures of Sheila LaBeouf here. Uh, LaBeouf has worn a paper bag over his head to an award show. 
um, and hired a skywriter to respond to accusations of plagiarism. My problem with LaBeouf himself is that he doesn't just imitate and appropriate people's work. He also defends doing so. Appropriation has been the most influential theme in art since the 70s, he explained in an interview with the website Bleeding Cool. Fucking A. Um, I'm not here to defend Sheila Booth. Uh, uh, The bad jazz that a cat blows is often turd with his bones. Um, I will say this. I was on a a kiddie show in 2008 and 2009 on Nickelodeon. None of you saw it unless you're 11. And you're 18 or 17 now or whatever. Uh, It was called uh, True Jackson VP. And uh, one of the cats on the show was a very young actor at the time. He was probably 17. And he told me his favorite actor was Shia LaBeouf. But he liked his early work. (laughs) I had nothing to counter. You can't all of a sudden go Al Pacino and have a 17-year-old look at you like... Because, you know, then it's Jurassic World. I like Al Pacino. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You know what I mean? Uh, Brian, no. You you have glasses? Craig. Craig. Uh, Baseball in action history including the voices of these baseball immortals, Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Hannes Wagner, Rogers Hornsby. I won't go on. Jennifer swore me on the trip over tonight that I would not talk about baseball. (laughs) However, there's an awesome picture of Billy Martin throwing over Ray Boone here. Ray Boone was, of course, um, Bob Boone's father. I don't have to go into it for those of you who know what's what. Billy Martin managed the Yankees five different times because he was fired four different times. (laughs) Billy Martin uh, died in a drunken car wreck where he drove his SUV off a hill, we think. Uh, Billy Martin uh, also uh, got uh, traded off of the Yankees after a night at the Copacabana with um, Mickey Mantle and Hank Sauer where a Donnybrook ensued at the bar. Uh, Billy Martin was from uh, the East Bay of where I'm from, the Bay Area. Um, I believe I want to say Berkeley, California. His actual name was Martini, but he, of course, changed it to Martin because, as you know, white people are very, very popular. And uh, thank you very much for this book. It's got everything on it. Ruth talks about the importance of getting a youngster started in baseball. Now, remind you uh, that Babe Ruth um, used to order hot dogs from the, uh, 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 the Bat Boy. He'd go, go get me five hot dogs, kid, and a couple of orange sodas. And then he would eat them in the dugout during the game. And the other thing Babe Ruth did during the 20s, when they had one telephone uh, uh, on the wall in the clubhouse, Babe Ruth would pick up the phone and go, if you don't want to fuck, you can't come, right? And so it's very important to get youngsters into the game early. <laughs> Two fantastic Babe Ruth quotes. Um, uh, He was at a dinner party, a very upscale dinner party on the Upper East Side, and a woman said, Asparagus, Mr. Ruth? And he went, No thanks, it makes my urine smell. (laughs) And the other thing he used to do when there was a party at his hotel suite was yell, Anyone who doesn't want to fuck can leave right now. (laughs) Connie Mack in his long managerial career. Jackie Robinson hits to win the sixth game of the 56 World Series. Joe Ancock, thank you very much for this. Craig, I appreciate it beyond all measure. Um, uh, A young man gave me this for Jennifer. I didn't give it to you, Jennifer, because you were running out in the house. A well-read woman is a dangerous creature, it says. Um, And a girl in trouble is a temporary thing, if you're a fan of... (laughs) 
uh, Romeo Boyd. No one here knows what I'm talking about. Uh, who was the young man who gave me this? Wesley again. Oh, it's you, Wesley. My short-term memory is almost completely shot, Wesley. Thank you very much for the well-read uh, woman is a dangerous creature. Mike gave me this. And I want you to know that Mike came up to me outside and went, I have a little gift for you. I'm flying on Sunday night. And as you know, when you get to the airport, there's a, a, a little, um, uh, you know, a thing that you're supposed to put your baggage in to measure how big it is against the measurements in the thing. This will not fit. So I am going to wear it in my shorts. I'm not going to show you all the pictures, but I am going to read you what it says here. I am presenting these photos to you with the hope that they may help you in your biophobia. My biophobia being that I, outdoors is a very trepidatious place for me. I was standing outside tonight. Many of you saw me out there. And uh, uh, um, the outdoors is full of raccoons and uh, butterflies and all manner of vermin. And uh, you can be killed in an instant outside. That's the thing. Oh, thank God we're taping. Um, the show's going to start momentarily. Seriously. It's not that I'm biophobic. It's simply that uh, indoors, you'll find there's often funk music, Chinese food, weed, and movies. All, all, sometimes all at once. You go outdoors, uh, there's a raccoon and whatnot, uh, a banana slug. Banana slugs never go, hey, have you seen Action Jackson? If they do, they're extraordinary banana slugs. I pencil a number on the back of each photo. Here's a description of each. Uh, number, uh, let's see here. Number four, grasshoppers making sweet love. Let's go right to that. I don't know if you can see. The crowd's quite large and the house is big. But there's two grasshoppers. Yeah. In flagrante. And I said to him, are you an entomologist? And he went, no. So the study of bugs is not in his purview. He's simply a photographer of, of small creatures. I hope you enjoy these. I already do. They're printed on fine art and they're fragile. It's best to handle them by the edges and refrain from scuffing the printed surface shit. Michael, thank you. They're absolutely fabulous. I'm going to take them home. I will treat them with the utmost respect. And uh, uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this and all of your work in that photographic regard. Uh, you are, in fact, the Roman Vishniak of my love. Um, there's boxes and barrels and shit here. Um, we hate this part of the show. Why don't you just jump right in? We want to hear what you want to talk about. Why do you always have to read all your gifts? I'm old and I'm sentimental and I'm about to burst into tears, okay? It's the Christmas season and it's Black Friday and I don't care anymore. I don't go places to ignore what the people in the place who give me, uh, uh, give me. I go to places to uh, revel in this uh, unbelievable uh, thing. Here we are. Uh, let's see here. Steve gave me, thanks for the mindful catharsis. Thank you so much. And uh, he gave me a card that has two women up to their noses in water, and it says, someone in a tree. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but this is unbelievable. 
Stephen Sondheim finishing the hat collected lyrics. It's two volumes and it's extensive. And I'm going to keep it with my praying mantis making love photos. Oh, I don't need anyone to sit. Stop. Stephen Sondheim, as you know, um, when he was 15, um, had an interview with Oscar Hammerstein, who wrote all of the Rodgers and the Hammerstein musicals, South Pacific and whatnot. And um, he wrote this musical, and Oscar Hammerstein, because he was a prodigy, gave him an interview. And Stephen Sondheim, in his uh, documentary, says, I thought he was just going to fucking buy it, right? Like, I'm 15. And I went in, and I had a big fucking attitude. And was like, well, here's my musical. What do you think? And I'm, Oscar Hammerstein went like, well, it could use work. <laughs> But that's what you have to love. So one of his first musicals, if not his first, is West Side Story with Leonard Bernstein. So he started at the very top. And uh, this song here, let's, uh, let's see what we've got here. Um, West Side Story, 1957. Um, the Notion, Romeo and Juliet transposed to New York City. The Montagues and Capulets are two gangs. The Jets, White, and the Sharks, Puerto Rican. The lovers are Tony, Romeo, a former member of the Jets, and Maria, Juliet, the sister of Bernardo, Paris, leader of the Sharks. Riff, Mercutio, is the leader of the Jets, and Tony's best friend. If you haven't seen West Side Story, it's about fucking time you saw it. Um, George Shakiris and Rita Marino are the whole goddamn show in that movie. Um, yes, there's Richard Beamer and Natalie Wood, and they're fabulous, and Robert Wise, who directed uh, Sound of Music and uh, 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 a thousand other great movies. The Haunting, um, the... the um, Robert Wise directed, uh, uh, what's that fabulous? Odds Against Tomorrow with Harry Bolafani. Robert Wise directed a million good pictures, The Racket. Um, but this is the song that I wanted to. Um, when you're a jet, you're a jet, all the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day. When you're a jet, if the spit hits the fan, the spit. If you were in the male chorus of this in 1957, how many of you said spit? You got brothers around, you're a family man, you're never alone, you're never disconnected. <laughs> you're home with your own, with companies expected, you're well protected. Then you are set with a capital J, which you never forget, till they cart you away when you're a jet. You stay a jet! Right? And then... He wrote the lyrics to all these songs. He wrote Maria and whatnot. Um, Officer Krupke is my favorite one in there. Although America is quite pertinent right at the moment. Oh, there it is. At the very end, Officer Krupke. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Uh, gee, Officer Krupke, we're down on our knees because no one wants a fellow with a social disease. Gee, Officer Krupke, what are we to do? Gee, Officer Krupke, fuck you. He says Krupke you in the lyrics. But again, if you were in the chorus... I think fuck you. <laughs> this was the only song we wrote where the music in its entirety came first. Well, how about that? Uh, wow, and Leonard Bernstein. Thank you so much, Stephen, for this. It's astounding. Uh, Stephen Sondheim is still alive, or, or Sondheim, if you will, if you don't want to put a T in there. <laughs> and uh, he's absolutely worthy in every level. Ah, there we go. This is from uh, Not Crystal, Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte's mother wrote this bo a poetry book called Dreamscape. Real dreams really make a difference by Martha Sinader. That's your mother then? It's Crystal's mother. Crystal's mother. Who did I say? It doesn't. Charlotte? <laughs> Wasn't it Charlotte? Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, the worst thing about this show is the quiet times. 
There's a poem about Lord Buckley, who you know I'm a huge fan of. Hypatia of Alexandria, who you'll find in my book. Uh, Hypatia um, was a Jewish um, intellect of Alexandria who was killed by the uh, um, horrible right-wing... Oh, King Leopold, hooray. Uh, king by the, killed by the horrible right-wing uh, people who were ruling Alexandria, dragged through the streets, played by Rachel Weiss in the movie, if you ever watch it. Uh, belated Mother's Day. Ah, uh, here we go. She said there's a poem about uh, Bodicea, or if you're British, Bodica. Um, and if you go to England and you go to London, across from the Houses of Parliament and Big Ben and whatnot is a giant statue of Bodica riding her chariot, driving her chariot, rather, and she's surrounded by several figures. Bodica um, used to uh, fight the Romans when the Roman occupation was in England. She burnt uh, London to the ground, and she burnt Colchester to the ground, and they've dug it up and found the ashes and whatnot. So this isn't just me blathering out the back of my fucking bootums. Uh, this is actual fact. And uh, Bodica was a warrior queen uh, who uh, led her tribe uh, to great success. Her her uh, husband had been uh, a collaborator with the Romans and they had fucked him. And uh, her deal with collaborators uh, and even English people who collaborated with the Romans was to pull their arm out by the socket. And thank you. One person, everyone else is like, this is harsh. Uh, Bodica uh, laid waste and then uh, eventually was beaten by a couple of legions because of their intense discipline. Uh, they were able to beat the uh, British army at that point, who still fought in chariots, which was way past the point uh, in Bible times uh, that they fought in that. Bodica was bad. She couldn't be any other way because everyone she knew was tough and terrible. You wouldn't want to cross any of them or your skull might wind up hanging around the neck of their favorite battle horse. But if you didn't cross her, Bodica was a gasser. She'd drink you under the table and then carry you home, which really turned the king on, and he turned her on too, so they did it right. And soon they were a couple of princesses keeping the palace up during the wee hours of the night. They kept on digging each other, and the princesses ripened like sweet peaches, but one day the king woke up and he wasn't feeling so good, and the next day he was dead. <laughs> so Bodico was broke up a bit, but she didn't break apart. The king had arranged for half his loot to go to Nero, because he figured if he didn't, Nero would take it anyway. The other half he left to the light of his life. So Bodica figured she was the ruling queen now and she could live with that. But there was one real hang-up. Bodica didn't know anything about Nero wasn't feeling so agreeable. The day he read the king's will, so he sent some slick soldiers to take everything, even the princess's cherries. And they did, quite horribly. Uh, and while they were at it, they whipped Bodica out in the square where everyone could get a good look at what was going on. Now, Bodica wasn't one to cry or take anything lying down. And Nero never thought a woman would do anything but cry and lie down. Bodica figured she had nothing left to lose. The time had come to kick ass. <laughs> they never knew what hit them. When Bodica and her crew were through, there was nothing left but a few inches of superheated charcoal, which is still there today if you want to go looking for it. When word got back to Nero, he sent his right-hand muscle man, a stud named Selenius, to straighten everything out. Uh, thank you very much for this. It's awesome beyond measure. And then this, I can't even begin to describe. This is, I believe, Star Wars paraphernalia. Um, there's a new Star Wars movie out. Uh, no, I wasn't invited to be in it. Why would I? Um, but in episode one, which is also known as the Phantom Menace, uh, this is a, a Jabba the Hutt figure with a two-headed announcer, and I am in the two-headed announcer. It doesn't make a noise, but on the back it says, Try me. Touch Jabba's real feel skin. Oh my God. Touch it. I am touching it. 
This feels like Boba Fett's man bag. It is scaly and unsavory. Squeeze Jabba's body to squirt water. Parentheses, see instructions. Push right arm down to spit Chuba's head. The force is with you in all the Star Wars figures and vehicles. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I can't open it because I'm incapable of opening it. Don't do it. Don't open it. Thank you. Benson Hurst says no. spent Thanksgiving yesterday hating your uncle? (laughs) Only a few. It's Brooklyn. I presume a lot of you spent time at home. No one exactly went back to their house in Pennsylvania or whatever. I've got a couple more here and then we're going to go. This is a a bin liner. I have no idea what's in this now. I've forgotten. It was given to me. What is it? The excitement continues apace. Oh, shit. Vodka-flavored vodka. By the way, these are Tito's vodka, but over them, they have put stickers that say vodka-flavored vodka. Who gave me this? Bradley. Thank you, Bradley. Oh, what else is in there? Something smells off the hook in here. I've gotten a lot of that tonight, too, and thank you very much for that. <laughs> Mark Rothko, a biography. Oh, my God, that's fabulous. Thank you so much. Oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, um, and a Jamie Reed postcard that says, God Save the Queen. To Greg and Kittens, welcome back to Brooklyn. Bradley, thank you, Bradley, so much. Mark Rothko is a fabulous artist. Uh, uh, um, there you are. Uh, a red rectangle. <laughs> That's Rothko in a nutshell. And then this. Oh, my goodness. And you put papers in there, too. But such a tiny, tiny amount of weed. Uh, thank you. It's exactly how much I need to view the book. I'm afraid I'm going to have to get up for this next part here. I'm, I'm afraid to interrupt the show, but there we go. Oh, fuck off. Oh, I'm as spry as a mountain fucking creature. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it keeps going. It goes on. Uh, fas- Club Fascist Land. Uh, Kevin Brink-Nielsen, his first novel, he gave me this tonight. Thank you very much, Kevin. Uh, it looks fantastic. Um, are you misunderstood? People call you strange, want to run away and find a new home? Welcome to Club Fascist Land, located under a humble little coffee shop called Oz in the heart of New Zirconium City's artsy and strangely hip downtown. Wow, this was your first novel, bro? I love it. Todd wasn't that afraid, but he wanted to talk to the lion from a distance. I <laughs> know someone just went, ha, 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 ha. Our very good friend. Yes? No? Yes. Russ? I've, I've gotten your name wrong over 50 times tonight. You have a beard. I know Chuck. you. Chuck. 
Chuck, you've been uncommonly generous with me over the years here in Brooklyn. You gave me a Tennessee Williams book tonight and, fantastically, a Kinky Friedman detective novel. Many of you may not know Kinky Friedman. He is a musician and also uh, he's a, an author and he's known as the Texas Jew Boy. Former leader of the band, the Texas Jew Boys, lives on a ranch in the Texas Hill Country with two dogs, two cats, and one armadillo. And he's smoking a cigar there. Thank you very much for this, Chuck. It's absolutely fabulous. Uh, a young lady gave me this legendary baseball stars. Who is this? K. K. Thank you. I don't know why you don't have more letters in your name, but I think it's fantastic. <laughs> it's paper dolls of all the great uh, stars. While I listen to the album that Brian gave me earlier, Kay, I will cut these out and paste them upon my body. <laughs> and then this one was given to me by Adam. Greetings and salutations. Here's hoping this finds you well. It's called Love, Peace, and Poetry, African Psychedelic Music. And I, if we had a turntable here tonight, I'd spin it. But here's some of the titles. The Third Eye Awakening by Valley of Sadness. Freedom's Children Battle Hymn of the Brokenhearted Horde by Kafkaesque. <laughs> Chrissy Zebi Tembo and Nagazi Family, My Ancestors by Anya Ye. And Ricky Ililonga, Sunshine Love, Love is the Only Way. Thank you so much for this. It's absolutely astounding. I was given a nautical book tonight. Um, oh, you put, in a, you put a marker in here. Is that for a reason? A deckhand at work at the very end of the bowsprit. Who gave me this fabulous nautical book? Joey. That's right. It was Joey, but I called you Zoe. <laughs> and your friend walked by and went, it's not Zoe. It's fucking Joey. <laughs> And at that point, I went, mind if I call you Zoe? <laughs> and then a Salinger mood. A, a picture history of an American icon. Thank you very much for this boat book. It's so awesome beyond measure. A young lady uh, did this for me, Gabrielle, uh, one of my favorite feminist allies, Greg Proops, uh, an aquatent about technologies that control women's bodies. Aquatent is a process by which one etches marks on a copper plate using acid and then sends the inked plate through a press. Please continue. Thank you. I will, Gabrielle. Thank you very much for this. It's a fabulous uh, etching. Uh, this will go in my garage. Our friend Bill, who you may know as Jack Shett on Twitter, uh, gave me two books here tonight. And Jennifer, you're going to fucking freak out about this one. This one's too much, much too much. Um, Anger is an Energy, uh, My Life Uncensored by John Lydon. And it's autographed by John Lydon here. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't be more excited. Someone say, fuck off. There we go. I only found out after signing the uh, public image limited agreement that that's what Virgin really wanted to do. We signed an eight album deal and got an advance of 75 grand. Uh, uh, before we went any further, I had to go to America to tie up. Okay, that's not. So let's go. It's amazing the vibe you get in those situations. It's almost like, well, if it's gone. So what? We haven't lost each other. Uh, on top of the fires, there had been the Rodney King riots in L.A. the previous year. And all the folk around here in California weren't too enamored by touching on the theme of L.A. boiling over again. They weren't showing me any love for writing a song channeling a whole series of disastrous events. Boy, do I know that feeling. Um, and there you are. Uh, thank you very much for this, uh, Bill. It was so very, very kind of you. Uh, John Lydon is an enormous hero of mine. Uh, I've never met him. Uh, and I, if I do, I hope it's cool. Uh, it's horrible sometimes when you meet your heroes because... Uh, they're drunk. 
exactly. <laughs> this is the heart of the matter. Bill got me this, and he got me a couple of years ago in Philadelphia, um, Morrissey's, um, you know, the, the autobiography. This is Morrissey's novel. Now, if you don't know who Morrissey is, and I think you do know who he is, but remember, there's people listening who are 14, and they're like, Morrissey, what was it like when the world was covered with lava? <laughs> Grandfather, will you explain to us? I don't know what to tell you, but you really don't know me. You clap and you got to go. You sound in my little line. You go and you stand on your own. You leave on your own. You go home and you cry and you want to die. I am the sun and the air. Morrissey was a depressed British person from South. Yeah, someone went, Way! Oh, right, there's another kind of British person. This is a novel that he wrote called List of the Lost. And Bill assured me that it was reviewed and that it has the worst sex scene in the history of literature. I do not know where the scene is, but we're going to try to find it right now. And here we go. Mm, I can't even find it. But someone say something. Here we go. What? Her breasts do a barrel roll? Can that happen? Breasts can't do a barrel roll. That's in the sex scene. Oh, that's in the sex scene. So, am I to understand that you have perused this book previously? I like, yeah, it's bad. I'm taking it on faith that if the phrase her breasts do a barrel roll that it's bad. <laughs> this is not Madame Bovary. This is not Russian literature at any point. This is Morrissey, who has so many axes, there's not enough fucking wheels to grind them on. <laughs> he is the axe grindiest star in the history of fucking rock and roll. Oh, no. All right. Do I have any Smiths, David, on the, on the iPod? I don't think I have any Smiths. There might be a couple of Morrissey songs, though. Why don't you play... Can you find um, We Hate It When Our Friends Become Successful by Morrissey? On? That's right. Really, Greg, you have one song on your iPod by Morrissey, and it's We Hate It When Our Friends Become Successful? Maybe I'm giving you a little too much insight into my own catching on this one. David, are you still there? Uh, Morrissey or the Smiths? It's Morrissey. I, as I said previously, I don't believe I have any Morrissey. Because that would take... I mean, I don't have any Smiths. That would take you back to the day. What, 84? Is that the first album, 85? But what difference does it make? I'm still fond of you. Oh, 
He's terrified of his fans, which I love about him. As you know, I'm not terrified of my fans. I just gather shit from them. Anything? Well, why don't you? David, why don't you spin it? That'll give me some backdrop for this. Other than the audience coughing and... I would dance, but he doesn't dance. However, when I saw him several years ago, he pulled his shirt up and you were like, hmm. You shouldn't pull your shirt up. A little bit louder. He's quite, this is quite good. Really loud, David. Really, really loud. Every government needs a war in order to balance the books. Did you know that every government loves a war? Woo-hoo! Exclamation point. <laughs> yes, you chase it every single day of your life until its mocking nature all but destroys you, and I can't talk about it enough. Yet we laugh at small children who still believe in the tooth fairy, but we do too until the day we die. I can't talk about it enough, I said. I can't talk about it enough. Have you seen much action yourself? He now suddenly moves too close to Ezra, as if heating into place. Have you? <laughs> Have you seen much action? Come before me and know me, Tommy. The punching bag face is now stiff with dirt, and the oily hands ring with pulpy sweat as his eyes melt into Ezra, who is now standing astride, as if balanced for attack, or ready to be swabbed down by hand. Trouble comes unexpectedly by a lightning-fast pinch between Ezra's legs as the wretch leaps over the psychological and physical line only to be met by a ferocious need-as-a-pin sideswipe to the right cheekbone. Thank you for this. Not only am I going to read it, While Jennifer and I are watching Action Jackson on Christmas Eve, I'm going to force her to read this aloud while I dance around the room. I'm going to sign books after the show and records as well, but I'm going to have to ask you for a few moments to uh, uh, gather my shit up here, because as you can see, it's a fucking free-for-all. And uh, I'm going to need a minute. So don't come rushing up to the stage after and go, can I get your picture? Uh, can, can we talk and shit? Yeah, we can. Out there, five minutes from now. We so can. And Bill gave me a kitten's bag. Thank you, Bill. You're so kind and generous and sweet. And He's also a nurse. Yeah. 
the show's over now, and uh, thank you very much for coming out. Shut up. Who gave me the lighter? Guys. Last time you gave me a, a satchel page necklace that says um, uh, a lot of shit on it. And I really appreciate it. And tonight she gave me a lighter. From Costa Rica, was it? And it appears to be a lizard crawling up a lighter. And the lighter is far too big uh, for the actual um, lizard, but it, it's really good and extraordinarily dangerous. Um, this is one that you light and you're like, oh shit, my nose hair. I was going to light a joint, but now my eyebrows are burned off and I hate you. It's one of those ones. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for the necklace. No, she gave me one that said, um, uh, 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 don't look back, something might be gaining on you, which I do wear. I'm not wearing it tonight, but I have it with me in New York and I carry it with me everywhere. And I appreciate it so much because as you know, uh, Satchel Page is the living end. And thank you. Uh, and we move on here. Uh, let's see. Uh, we're playing uh, tonight here at the Bell House. We'll be uh, December 7th at the Cine Family. We're going to show uh, Palm Beach Story with uh, Claudette Colbert and um, Joel McRae at Rudy Valley and a character called the Weenie King. If you've never seen the movie Palm Beach Story, it's by Preston Sturgis, and it's absolutely fucking devastating. A screwball comedy of the highest caliber. That'll be for our film fans of the Great Proof Film Club. That'll be December 7th. We're also releasing... Um, uh, Adam's Rib this week, uh, which we uh, did at the TCM Film Festival last year, and uh, uh, that one has um, Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy, and it's a really, really worthy film if you ever want to watch a movie about, and I hate to call it this, but it's fantastic because it's so 50s, The Battle of the Sexes. <laughs> I don't think we battle anymore. We know what the fucking deal is. But in the 50s, people were still battling with the sexes. Uh, December 9th will be at Bar Lubitsch that's free if you want to come but we paid money to come in here tonight that's your tough shit Brooklyn um, <laughs> if you come to Los Angeles you can see us on Santa Monica Boulevard at Bar Lubitsch that's free December 15th will be at the Nerd Melt uh, back there again and then of course New Year's Eve in San Francisco at My Beloved Punchline where we made um, an album uh, called uh, In the Ballpark that you can uh, download on iTunes or you can buy on vinyl uh, it's orange vinyl by the way it's super sexy in case, you, in case you own a record player, uh, we do, uh, because uh, Jennifer is ever the audiophile, and she has a, a very uh, extensive stereo system that I am not allowed to touch or look at. <laughs> this is a, a perpetual thing that goes on in our house. Jennifer, how do you turn the record player on? And she's like, shut up. And then I go, I want to put a record on. And she's like, no. And then she'll turn it on and she'll play a record. Uh, but I've, I haven't played this record yet. It's my record. <laughs> haven't played it at the house yet. I'm hoping to. Uh, giant cue in front of it. Um, Thelonious Monk, Tower of Power, a lot of shit. I'm not going to get to play this for a while. But you can play it freely uh, at, at your crib. Um, uh, does anyone out here interested in this album at all? <laughs> That will teach you not to sit in the front row. We were trying to be cool and sit in the back so we could drink and go outside and smoke dope and shit and then come back in and whatever during your show. Um, but then we didn't realize you were going to hand out swag. Uh, we have an ad this week. And normally I wouldn't read ads live on the show, but I thought it was uh, appropriate that we should tonight here in uh, uh, Brooklyn at the Bell House because 
Someone wrote me a couple of weeks ago and said, how come you haven't mentioned that your book is available on Audible? And Audible has been a popular sponsor of the show for years and years. And as you know, John DiMaggio, um, who plays Bender in the show Futurama and thousands of voices in millions of cartoons, uh, in a very uh, fantastic Proopcast episode, um, was uh, quite drunk and in the back of the room. And uh, as was I, but I was in the front of the room. And I said, John, would you like a microphone? And he went, no. And you can hear him as clearly as if he was on a microphone. And he came up with Audible's greatest theme song, which you all know, and I'm going to read the ad and then we'll all sing it. Do you love books but find that you never have time to read them? They're a sponsor, so I'm going to read this. Greg, I know. <laughs> Audible.com has the perfect solution. Get audiobooks and listen to those books you've been meaning to read while on the go! Exclamation point. At the gym, during your commute. Hey, white people! <laughs> you know, I commute to work every day, and then when I have time, I go to the gym. Sometimes I buy quinoa and kale and take it back to my house and have it with some goji berries and some hot soup. I feed my chameleon, whose name's Shirley Chisholm, and I, uh... Oh, yeah. Uh, Audible provides over 180,000... I didn't make that number up. I used to say 25 million, and then they would come back to me, my producers, Ryan and Matt, or they're... Okay, the guys I work with. They would say... Don't say 25 million. Audible doesn't like it when you exaggerate. <laughs> but evidently, they have 180,000 audio programs. You know, if you live the rest of your life, as John Travolta says in Pulp Fiction, <laughs> you'll never hear 180,000 audio programs. Uh, and uh, from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers, their app is free and works on iPhones, iPad, Android, and Windows Phone. You can also download and listen on your Kindle Fire and over 500 MP3 players. And unlike a streaming or a rental service, with Audible, your own, you own your own... You, unlike a streaming or rental service, with Audible, you own your books... And yet you can't write your name in them. <laughs> you can only psychologically write your name in your Audible book. You know how it says Ex Libris at the front of your book and you write your name in there? Absolutely no one in the room. <laughs> I have a book here called Charles W. Morgan. And I'm going to write in the front, Property F. <laughs> Greg Proops. You can't do it with Audible, but psychologically you can. Uh, and like that. Uh, unlike a streaming or rental service, oh wait, we had that part. Anytime and right from your smartphone. Audible.com also has the great listen guarantee. 
If you decide, guarantee, if you decide you don't like the book you choose, no worries. I don't like the book I've chosen. Fucking cool it. You can exchange any book you aren't happy with for another title anytime. No questions asked. There's an exclamation point, so I'll read it the way they've written it. If you, you can exchange any book you aren't happy with for any other title anytime. No questions asked. <laughs> and then it says, recommend a title. All right, here's a book. It's called The Smartest Book in the World. A lot of people here love it. Hipster. This is from the book. Noun. Yes, you ride a fixed-gear bike and drink single-origin chai from a local specially-abled artist hand-thrown ceramic mug. Your bi-friend only listens to cassettes, and you just love vintage flats, and your rescue dog is named Cobain. Please just wear your hat and glasses and turned-up pants and defy categorizing. Kittening. Remember, you will one day be driving a Volvo with toys thrown willy-nilly and Burger King wrappers on the floor, listening to Charday and digging it unironically. Even the freshest kale can go brown and wilt. Cave Futurum. And just for listeners, Audible.com is offering a free 30-day trial membership. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash smartest to start your free trial today! (laughs) Again, show your support for the smartest man in the world and get a free 30-day trial at audiblepodcast.com slash smartest. Audible! When you don't feel like reading! Thank you. Thank you, Audible. Thank you, everyone out there, for supporting the Proopcast. Uh, this is from The Guardian. Jennifer sent it to me from the other side of the room that we sit in together. I love headlines, as you know. Totally smoking. Travel THC allows tourists to rent a holiday home where they can enjoy their weed freely. The headline was totally smoking. Because it was written in 1978 by Tommy Chong. (laughs) By the way, uh, I was asked last week by Jay Moore. uh, Jay Moore, who is a very good friend of the show and has his own wonderful podcast called More Stories and has a new album out himself that his wife Nikki wrote uh, as well as my new album and, of course, uh, Joey Coco Diaz, whose show I was on last week in the Church of What's Happening Now. He has a new album out as well called Savage Dad. I invite you to enjoy these fine artists and, of course, subscribe to everything that they do. Uh, I mentioned a lot of podcasters in the last episode, and Jay wrote me and said, I insist on the next episode if you mention a podcaster that you mention me. So I am mentioning him. I love him. I want him. He is not inside me. Uh, Kelly McLean wrote this for The Guardian. Uh, Tourists in Colorado face the Amendment 64 conundrum, which allows the consumption of marijuana, but only in a private home and with permission from the owner. There are some hotels that allow vaping in rooms, but the law allows a maximum da-da-da. Enter Greg Drinkwater, 
who, while discussing this puzzle with the friends on a visit to Denver, had a light bulb moment. Air THC. Yes, an Airbnb-style service for the cannabis inclined. Launched in April 2014, Air THC, the name has since been changed to Travel THC due to potential copyright infringement. Why not just call it Doob-er? Or Splift. Motel. Helps tourists fulfill the dream of getting stoned legally in a stranger's home. Pro marijuana property owners can list unlimited accommodation for a flat rate of $199 a year. Rentals range from the grandiose Blue Sky Ranch vacation in Blackhawk from $999 a night to a modest room in a private Denver home for 80 uh, clams. It boasts hundreds of properties in Colorado and an expanding presence in Washington State and Alaska. Speaking of which, We'll be in uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, uh, the 14th through the 17th of January, and then we'll be in Houston, Texas, uh, at the Houston Improv, uh, and then we'll be in Colorado, uh, let's see, uh, what are those dates? March uh, 2nd through 5th in Danvier. Um, I I threw Houston in there to confuse you. Uh, People's eyes are bigger than their lungs, says Ricardo Baca, editor of The Cannabist. The other part about marijuana becoming legal in four states is that there's publications called The Cannabis (laughs) and that we're to take them seriously. Look, if there can be fucking gun and rifle news and shit, there can be The Cannabis. Do you know what I'm saying? If if there can be right-wing Christian dickhead, gun-toting asshole, fuck-nut, giant belt buckle with your name on it, they wear it upside down so you know what your fucking name is. There can be the cannabis. If Donald Trump is allowed to go on television, then there can be the cannabis. Uh, hosts end up with a drawer full of weed and tell guests to help themselves. So people go to Colorado, they buy too much weed, and they leave it in the drawer. Because supposedly at the Denver airport, you're not supposed to bring weed with you. Well, I've been to the Denver airport in the recent memory. Do what you like. <laughs> By the way, JFK, EWR, any of the airports in this area, LaGuardia and whatnot, um, they're not looking for weed anymore, you guys. Thank you. People go, how do you take weed with you? I don't know. don't have a ticking clock and a fuse hanging off it and you're probably cool let me let me ask you this ladies and gentlemen of the bell house do you think the federal government is so astute that they're like that guy's got weed Uh, in Colorado an adult can show up to an ounce of marijuana with another adult that is so sexy And since those sharing a private residence is legal despite the fact that money changes hands. Um, This frustrates institutions such as Denver's Adagio Bud and Breakfast, which As I've discussed on the program, mornings are terminally harsh. You get up, the sun is beating down on you. 
like a like a like a snare drum. Uh, you, 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 you sit up in bed. I don't know what your morning's like, but this you know you in the morning you wake up, your your eyes open up, and then all of a sudden you find yourself sitting up in bed, and you're like, oh shit, this is going to be harder than I thought. The first thing you're going to want to do is. and breakfast. Really? You know what, those stoners? Semper paratus. Be prepared. Always prepared. Today, before tomorrow, today, before tomorrow, go to the store. You're in Brooklyn. There's going to be a store and outside outside of the store is a bunch of fruit in a bunch of ice and some water bottles and whatnot and flowers that no one ever fucking buys. Inside the store is Chinese food up and down. That if anyone bought it and ate it, they were the most bravest person in the world. <laughs> because the intestinal fucking uh, effluvium that's ready to fucking attack. And this whole crowd's gone quiet because everyone's like, we were thinking about doing that on the way home. <laughs> I'm going to get the orange chicken and the chow fun. This is New York, where there's a store in every corner. And on every corner, there's little crappy things of fruit juice. And Poland Spring? Somehow New York is completely attached to Poland Spring water. I'm from California. We drink a lot of different waters. But Poland Spring in New York is like... And sometimes Poland Spring will be like, it's only a few miles away from... No, it's not. I don't know where Poland Spring is, but it's not... That's not close to New York in any way. It's st- you have to go through the whole Red Sox nation to get to fucking Maine. And I'm sorry about the Mets. I, no, I am. I'm not being a dick. They weren't good enough. The Giants beat the Kansas City's last year. And we beat him with a pea shooter and one pitcher. You guys showed up with a full complement of pitchers and batters and could not beat them. Don't fucking argue with me! You had a valiant team. But you didn't. W? Oh, wait a minute, that's backwards. L. W's are always on time. L's, confusing. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Such strange juxtapositions characterize the fledgling... Oh, this writing. With time, Colorado will no doubt incorporate cannabis culture. They already have. If you go to Denver or anywhere in Colorado, it's fantastic beyond measure. You walk into a store, although this part's weird. You take out your wallet... And they go like, can I have your license? And you hand them your license. And then they put it in a weird clippy thing. And then they keep it. And then you buy all your dope. And then you leave. And then the guy gives you back your fucking uh, license out of the clippy thing. I know you guys are, a lot of you are New Yorkers. And you're like, I don't give my fucking wallet to fucking anyone. (laughs) It happens there. 
Uh, we're moving on. So moving on. Let's see here. Oh, I am ever so... No, no, no. There's so little time and so much to do. And, and the show really has to get funny at some point. Here we go. People write me, and if you want to write me, it's uh, fanmailforgreg at gmail.com. I do not read them all. Well, I do, actually. That's a lie. I do read them all. I simply don't answer them all. But I, I do read them all. And I answer some of them. This one was written by a fellow named Arlen. A-R-L-I-N. I presume that's Arlen and not Arlene. Dear Professor Proops, thank you for the many life lessons you've taught me on the Proopcast. Certainly amongst the foremost is that if I want to have a woman, let me inside her. I need to keep my love of author Cormac McCarthy to myself. Thank you, Arlen, for recognizing that. I've said it from the beginning. As I've instructed on the podcast many times, my wife Jennifer worked at City Lights Bookstore in San Francisco, and all the while that she did, anyone who came up and asked for Cormac McCarthy had a penis. They were, in fact, as Tennessee Williams would say in one of the books that's in these many stacks here, a swaggering seed bearer. I'm not saying that women can't enjoy Cormac McCarthy. I'm only saying that if you'd like to be inside a woman and you've met her, don't mention that you like Cormac McCarthy in the first eight to 12 weeks of your relationship. After that, when the books start getting spread around and she cracks out some weird fucking Barbara Kinghoffer shit, and you're like, I've always hated that, but I'm gonna read it anyway, and then, You break out a Jonathan Franzen thing And she's like I'm never gonna fucking read that And then she cracks out David Foster Wallace And you're like I would but it's so long And then Right? Right? And then you break out J.D. Salinger And she's like What are you 11? And then She breaks out fucking Twilight Or whatever And you're like Oh fuck What the fuck did I get into? I thought because she was wearing a weird, you know, Viking fucking skull around her neck that she'd be cool and she reads Twilight novels. And then you have to be cool about that because then she goes, I can't believe you read fucking Dr. Seuss. And then I can't believe that you weep when you achieve uh, orgasm. (laughs) It's all about compromise, boys and girls. We have to accept one another. No matter what gender or creed or race or or LGBT fucking... Thank you. I am not... I, if, if, any, if, 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 if history has taught us anything, and it hasn't, um, when I watch the debates and I see the ugly white man, and I'm including Ben Carson in that group, and Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz and Mike Huckabee and Carly Fiorina, when I see them all get up there and talk the massive smack that they talk, the, uh, it, it's impossible uh, to delineate that from abject racism. When Donald Trump speaks, it's not just like Joseph Goebbels. It's fucking... Thank you. It's identical to Joseph Goebbels. This, we're in a state now in America where there's no more code. It's just like, I fucking hate people who are brown. And somehow you're supposed to vote for me. Even though we're like American shit, remember and whatnot, and like there's a, a statue that's in the harbor out here, not near you guys, but near Manhattan. <laughs> I can't deal. I can deal. Uh, I'm here to be uplifting. I'm not, uh, you know, 
I've had, I've talked to so many people in the last few weeks who are like, oh my God, the world's coming to an end. Paris, Mali, Nigeria, Lebanon, Baghdad, uh, 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 Donald Trump, Ben Carson, this and this and this. The world keeps on spinning. And you know why? Because we're here. And you know why? Because we fucking love one another and we understand that people have differing viewpoints. And sometimes their viewpoints are generated completely from anger and from fear. And that's okay too. They have to be accepted into our world. And you have to understand that everyone's not evolved all the time everywhere. Um, Our evolution is important because we try to be at the very front of the fucking juggernaut. But at the back of the juggernaut are a bunch of people who think, you know what? That Donald Trump's saying some shit I fucking agree with, man. (laughs) Like, for instance, uh, Duck Dynasty and whatnot. Like, every once in a while, they'll bring out a beardy fucking white guy who'll go like, you know what? I hate people who are different than me. And you're like, you know what? You should hate people who are different from you because they can read and they can put flowers in a vase in an attractive manner. But I'm here to tell you that it's not the end of the world, it's the beginning of the world. It's the beginning of the world. Just because Donald Trump's running for president and it harshes your mellow more than anything you could ever imagine in your lifetime, and it harshes my mellow, um, that's not the end of the world. The world's been worse a million fucking times. It really, really fucking has. We can go back to any era you want to talk about. When Habshabab and Egypt fucking ascended to the throne, people were like, I can't believe this shit. <laughs> right? When, when Hayes beat Tilden in 1876, and there was a three-man panel, and they fucking adjudicated that shit in, like W in 2000, uh, right? When Jeb Bush was uh, governor of Florida and Jeb Bush still around, wandering around the halls going, everything is everything, man. We've got to be Zen about this. Are you Zen, Greg? And in any way, no. I'm type A control freak, fucking asshole. Left-wing fucking vitriolic fucking Democrat. However, having said that, and strident fucking feminist, uh, and, 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 and people who are racist, and people who are homophobic, and people who are misogynistic, I have zero fucking time for. In so much as you're wrong, and history will bear me out. Because if it didn't bear me out, we wouldn't have a, room, a woman running for president that so many people on my team are against. The crowd's gone quiet. (laughs) Say what you like and think what you like. That's always my creed. I'll never tell you how to think. I will only tell you this. Think laterally, right? And whatever think... Uh, 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 a concept you have in your mind, whatever precepts you hold. Remember, other people hold diametrically opposite precepts that are equally valid to them. Are they equ- are they equally valid in the uh, uh, you know in the in the giant fucking staircase of time? No. <laughs> but that's your little secret to hold within your fucking tiny obsidian heart. <laughs> Believe me. Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan and Herbert Walker Bush and W. We've had to go through all these things. Is Obama uh, everything I wanted him to be? No. 
Is Obama better than I thought he would be? In a lot of ways, yes. In a lot of ways, fucking no. Um, will Hillary be this? Will Bernie Sanders be that? Uh, we're talking about hardball fucking shoulder pad um, politics where it's not about right and wrong. It's not about morality. It's not about what uh, is good for society. It's about... <sighs> <laughs> Yeah. The moment. And what is um, uh, fortuitous for oneself in the moment. Is everyone... Uh, let me put it this way. I went to a meeting in the year 2001. A show business meeting in Los Angeles. And I said to the guy, I believe this. And the guy turned to me at this show business meeting and went, I think raw self-interest is the greatest of all motivations. <laughs> So understand that raw self-interest fuels everything that happens on earth and that we as spectators and participants and I told everybody not to vote uh, 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 four years ago and then I reneged on that because I realize now that if you don't vote, whatever charade we're taking part in, you must take part in. Politics are important. Why are they important, Greg? Because... Your voice has to be heard, whatever uh, uh, level it's heard at. Even if it's at the national level of politics where it's not going to be heard resonantly and it's not going to be heard profoundly and you're not going to get what you want. Incremental advancements are everything. Ruth Bader Ginsburg did not fucking work her whole life so that you could sit on your fucking ass in November and not vote for anyone. <laughs> Understand that women and people of color and people who are not white guys have to fucking exert themselves at all times. Power never yields unless it is fucking confronted. And you must confront fucking power. And that means... That means abject racists. That means abject misogynists. That means people that you can't believe exist in society. That, uh, because you can't believe they exist doesn't mean they don't exist. They fucking exist. Does that mean they're in the majority? No, never. Understand this. We're always in the majority. Who do I mean when I say we're? I mean the side of the fucking angels, baby. I mean the people who think that the world should be butterflies and fucking candy corn every goddamn day of the week. And that there should be gay people and that there should be women and that there should be trans people and that there should be uh, uh, every manner of, uh, of, of mode of, uh, uh, of existence accepted, embraced, and fucking... Uh, you got it, man. Fucking <laughs> We have to love one another. And that includes loving people who are fucking detestable assholes. <laughs> You don't have to love them like you love people in your family or you love people near you. But you have to understand where they're coming from and then go, like, I get why you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> it's all you can do in this life. It's all you can do in this life. And when the giant election comes in a year from now, you have to fucking get up and vote. If you're not fucking registered, fucking register. 
participate. There's so few things you're asked to participate in. Elect, uh, 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 voting and, giant, and jury duty. What are the three fucking... How often do you... Sit down. <laughs> go, 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 go. I'm not a fascist. Go. If I could go outside and smoke a joint right now, I would. Back to Cormac McCarthy. Cormac McCarthy, I believe, is a wonderful author. Why, Greg? Because he speaks to uh, the absolute... Are we in the boring preacher part? We have been for about, I don't know, ten minutes now. Uh, Cormac McCarthy, uh, I believe, is a a conservative, at at the far end of conservatism. Why do you love him so much as an author? Because... He addresses the reality of the universe, which is that war is God and that uh, uh, the corporate entities that be and the uh, Christian entities that be are going to forever see it that way and that it is our duty to be um, uh, pacifists, Buddhists, uh, uh, butterflies, whatever you want to call us, that believe that there is also room for love within the giant um, tempest that is human condition and that, um, yeah, and that, we, that um, war isn't the, the answer. War is a condition. And that um, if uh, enough love comes from us... Uh, uh, John Lennon, <laughs> who died in 1980 um, on December, in early December of that year. And I remember because uh, we were talking about it a week ago on Joey's uh, Coco Diaz podcast. Um, beat on women and was terrible to women up to a certain point in his life when he evolved and then realized that women, as he said, uh, were the end bomb of the world, if you will. And uh, that um, it was important to understand that women are treated poorly all the time. And as I've said on the show a thousand times, there's nothing more important than the condition of women. That comes first before everything comes after it. And so, having said that, um, you have to understand that a lot of people aren't that evolved in their thinking, and a lot of people don't even understand that as a concept. And so you, as an emissary, and you as an ambassador, and you as a badassador, have to fucking do what you can uh, to make the world gooder. So, Cormac McCarthy, who's a conservative, and I don't think believes that at all, um... Uh, is a profound author in so much as um, violence is the answer in a lot of his books and uh, uh, torment and all all that Christian jazz, Gnostic gospels. Um, No words were more truly spoken than your admonition to avoid trying to convince women that Blood Meridian is one of the greatest books ever written. (laughs) I've struck out more often than Dave Kingman with that one. Dave Kingman played for the Giants, the Cubs, and the Mets, and several other teams, and was a massive home run hitter. His, name was, his nickname was King Kong. And when he played for Oakland at the end of his career, he gave a woman reporter a rat in a box. That'll give you an idea of what Dave Kingman was coming from. But he also struck out a lot. Um, uh, uh, until I remember to put some Lisa Stansfield on so that they'll relax. This is written by a man. 
It was with the slightest of sadness in a recent pod, Proopcast, you let the audience vote on the greatest funk songs of all time, with contenders climbing up the ladder by the Isley Brothers, and thank you for letting me be myself by Sly and the Family Stone. While both are worthy contestants and certainly deserve consideration, they are without question treated the same way that Holly Holm treated Ronda Rousey by the two true... Hey, I didn't write this. Don't fucking jump on my shit. And I'm all for uh, Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey. Uh, whatever. Here are the... T- this, this person, Arlen, insists the two greatest funk songs of all time are Fire by the Ohio Players and Brick House by the Commodores. Will you please play Fire by the Ohio Players, dude? Yes. I agree with you. <laughs> Brothers Johnson stuff. But we're going to have this first. It has a very long intro. Know this about the Ohio players. Stevie Wonder came into the studio and they hadn't named the song yet. And Stevie Wonder was listening to it and they were like, we don't have a name for the song. And he was like... How about calling it Fire? <laughs> and the Ohio players are like, fuck. <laughs> Turn it up a little. Right? by the Commodores. Um, when I was in college uh, in <clears> the <throat> late 70s, early 80s, uh, at our dormitory, um, there was a, a cafeteria. And all the kids had to work in the cafeteria, right? As a part-time job and whatnot. And there was a jukebox. You know, the whole crowd's like... Did anyone carve in marble when you were in school, Greg? <laughs> Was there a stela in the town square and people would post things on it? And uh, a group commandeered the jukebox and played this song 47 times in a row. Please play Brick House by the Commodores. Yes, Lionel Richie was in the group, but he does not sing this song. And if you're super cool, you know that you yell shit after they yell brick. Oh. This was the late 70s and it was super important, right?
I'm certain that if you let the audience vote, you will see the wisdom of crowds will put these at 1 and 1A. I wonder, since this crowd has gone completely quiet. Oh, and by the way, to the NSA, whoever's reading this, you must be the single most bored analyst in the NSA. Are you being punished for something? Nothing to see in Proofdom that's worth your energy. Sincerely, Arlen. P.S. I'm the guy who gave you the Rip James book in D.C. Um, by the way, Rip James' book is called Glow. And it's the most salacious, coke-filled. As I've described to Jennifer, it's quite worth reading. It's kind of his prison memoir. Rick James, I can't even describe the degradation. It's fucking fantastic. He wrote Super Freak, and he had a three-way with a mother and a daughter. It's just disgusting. I know. I didn't want to say it, but I had to. He gave me the book, and I've never loved a book as much as I've loved it. <laughs> the book starts with him and Marvin Gaye doing coke in the fucking recording studio. So, yeah, I don't know if you've read a better book than that. <laughs> For all you fucking Harry Potter fans and whatnot. <laughs> Thank you, Arlen. This one goes out to Cynthia tonight, because Cynthia Robinson uh, from Sly and the Family Stone, who was the trumpet player... Um, is swirling in the heavens tonight. Um, I don't know if I want to read the whole thing, but here, let me, I'll read a little bit of it. Cynthia Robinson, um, Sly and the Family Stone. I'm from San Francisco, right? And the Bay Area has a lot of shitty groups, there's no question. Um, we have Journey, and uh, I know, and the crowd goes quiet because everyone's like, we like Journey. And yesterday I was watching the Thanksgiving parade. Jennifer and I are staying in a hotel that looks right over 6th, right? And, and we're in the city. And, um, and the, ho- the parade came right by our fucking crib. And so we watched it the whole day. There was Gertie the Dinosaur. And as someone put, I, I, the only balloon that was missing was Bart Simpson, right? Like it was like, super, there was Snoopy. Snoopy. That was so fucking. Pikachu. And Pikachu had a weird fucking small, like, character in front of him. And he was kind of boofushlogging. I don't know what was going on there. And at one point, that part was weird. Mariah Carey, Mariah Carey came. You could barely see her, but we could see her from the 14th floor. And, uh, and then she sang All I Want for Christmas is Jews. And, uh, <laughs> in any case, uh, it was, uh, it was down. Uh, uh, Cynthia Robinson passed away and she uh, played trumpet in Sly and the Family Stone and uh, she might have been the first uh, woman to play uh, here's what I wrote in my book I had to recall um, as she uh, swirled in the heavens yesterday uh, there, there is a chapter on soul music in my book and I wrote about uh, Sly and the Family Stone and I wrote here let's see here um, Stone, uh, Sly sports capes and plumed musketeer hats Rose his sister <laughs> shouts at the world under a series of electrifying wigs and Cynthia is the first black woman to start at trumpet in the majors. 
working a vest and a tight afro. They changed how everyone, from Herbie Hancock to Diana Ross to the Jackson 5, made records. All of a sudden, it was de rigueur to push the beat and show the vocals. Social issues and personal worth get a big going over, and you are in rock church the whole while. The easiest listening band that don't play easy listening. Um, Let's see. Of everything the smartest book insists upon, this is the one suggestion you will never regret taking. Um, Will you flip on a little of a... uh, This is Dance to the Music with uh, Cynthia Robinson. Uh, She has a a line in the song where she says, all the squares go home. And um, she had a baby with a a Sly Stone named Fun, (laughs) who's currently in a band. Here, flip that one on there, David. In the... Now, I know you don't want to get up and dance, but if you did want to get up and dance, this would be a really, really good time. How about this part? You're going to have to split to about... I'm afraid this is better than Brick House or Fire by the Ohio Players. Crowd in the world, I'm in the smartest crowd in the world. Thank you.